Hello, and welcome to The I Word. This podcast may contain some strong language. Welcome to volume three of the I Word. Today, I'm speaking to the youngest ever female producer on the West End, Amina Hamid. Uh, I I knew Amina from youth theatre in Southampton, and I genuinely was so pleased she was able to speak to me and give me just a little bit of her time. Amina is also my first guest who isn't an actor, and so I was excited to hear her side of things and how she went from the Nuffield Youth Theatre to the West End. We recorded this episode over Zoom uh, just before Christmas and just after London had to be put into Tier 4, and subsequently her show Death Drop had to close for the time being. So let's get into it. That's working. <laughs> All good. Hi, Amina. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I like I'm the good. pretend that we haven't spoken before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pretend that we haven't yeah. spoken for literally four minutes and forty five seconds. But this is fine. How's your week been? Um. <laughs> well, quite dramatic. Uh, luckily, yeah. I wasn't planning to go home for Christmas, or mm. that would have been, I think, terrible. Um. But, yeah, well, I was already in tier three. We already couldn't open theatres. Um, yeah. It just... And I and I think, to be honest, that I do think that... I don't see the point of tier three because of, because of shops being the problem. Um, so I think that tier four... Which I think I was one of the few people that knew, always knew there was a tier four. Um, really? Yeah. Because, so essentially... Who's your, who's but your tier inside four source? Was, well, no, tier four was <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> Um, and they did say that tier four was locked down. They just really <laughs> subtly slid that under and were like, no, it's a, th- it's a three tier system and then lockdown. But lockdown was always tier four. Um, so, wow. but yeah, I was like, D- is this, is it just me that knew? Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, right. no, it's, um, I think it's, I do think it's better because I think that cases are rising. And at the end of the day, as much as I would love to see theatres open, um, I think it's a, like a public safety issue. My issue yeah, with going absolutely. into tier three was always like, you can't just close hospitality venues, which are probably safer than um, than shops and, and leave those open. But that's such is the like, nature of the, our government. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, I couldn't, I was, I, I really couldn't believe that just uh, how... <laughs> This is, I've never started the podcast like this before because you usually start with the same question. But it seems though you're the first person as well who I've had on who's not an actor. And I think that's really exciting that's to have. Great. Um, but I'm just really intrigued as to what the fuck that day was like when you went, when they announced that it was going to be tier three and you had to shut. And it was gutting yeah. as well. I mean, like I was booked to see the play that you were producing, which will... You know, but I'm just so intrigued. I'm so intrigued what that day was like. <laughs> what the day was like. Um, I think I have an like I would say an aggressively sunny disposition. Um, and like I did just say that I sometimes shout. No, no, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, think, I think, think that's great. But um, but I yeah I so I, I've always been quite positive. I think I'd like I've just had a lot of things happen that have been worse, and I'm always like, there's worse things that could have happened. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was devastating. And then at the same time, um, I know that a lot of other producers were working on multiple shows and had a lot of things to close, um, which I think was definitely worse for them. Um, but we did, we got past our press night and we got like, (laughs) annoyingly right into the, when everything was picking up and people were really (laughs) loving the show. Um, but we got, yeah, we got quite far past our press night. We got like into... Um, performances and actually got to open the show which is which is a privilege in times like these um and and I hope that like in the new year we'll be able to bring the show back I mean that's what we're looking at doing um but it was yeah it I think the issue that I always have with these announcements is you know it's gonna happen and then it happens yeah and I hate I hate that because we're all sat there 
knowing exactly what's coming next. It's the kind of the first alert that you get from wherever you get your news, um, which let's be honest, it's now apparently Twitter. Mm. Um, and so you get that first leak from whoever it is. You then, and then you're like, well, this is going to happen. And then an hour later, there's a press conference that's going to happen, except it's happening three hours later or it's not. Why are they never on time? I mean, it just, it just really <laughs> annoys me. On time. <laughs> Um, which, you know, that's a little bit hypocritical because shows don't usually start on time, but... They usually start in the ballpark. <laughs> and it's usually yeah. not because, like, the, you know, the person doesn't want to come out and do the show. It's, <laughs> it's usually because of, I don't know, someone's in the loo or, like, something. Yeah. Or people are just ushers. <laughs> someone's shouting at an usher. Like, it's usually something like that. Yeah, it's never... Oh, that's just... Yeah, it's not, like, my duty to tell these people what's going no. on. No. Um, so that's the thing I always find annoying, but... Because we kind of knew it was happening, I was I was prepped for it to happen. I think the really difficult thing was that because of when it happened and when it was announced, um, the play kind of had its final performance on the Sunday, was going into its its break and then wouldn't be coming back after that two-day break that they had at the beginning of the week, um, which was difficult and was really hard. But I got a message from someone which really stuck with me, which was, but remember that you did it. Like, yeah. Remember that that it happened, and nobody can take that away from you just because it like had to it had to be postponed at this time. Um, and and I think that yeah, there's there's yeah, it's it's difficult, and it really like did suck as a day. But I think I think I tweeted that night that I don't know where it was coming from, but there was just this kind of hope that was coming. Yeah, from I saw that. I um, saw that, and it really I don't know. I sort of like jotted it down. I was gonna you know, I was gonna speak to you because I just thought that was. I, I kind of get. I kind of get you. I kind of get where it's coming from. I don't know why, and maybe we're just completely naive. Right. But, <laughs> but I and the, there's been a common theme of people coming on in the last few episodes of um of actually this could be a good thing, and it's it's so easy to say that when those poor that cast and crew of Death Drop who are now who thought they were in a show and now I don't. I mean, I hope. You, you know, I'm sure you're still in contact with them, and I hope they're all right. But it's just yeah. a crazy thing to happen before Christmas. But yeah, it could yeah, be a good. Just... It could be a good thing, and we've got it. We've got to hope we, for yeah, it to be. We a can good hope. Thing. We've got to hope for it to be a good thing. Because if not, then um, what's the point? Yeah, and I and I think it is. I think if you, we if we look at before it, it closed, if you look at what was in the West End before it closed, it was a lot of like young producers and to be fair I am I think I once said aggressively young I don't know why aggressively is the adjective I use a lot um but I am I am a lot I'm part of this cohort of young producers even though I'm probably like at least five years younger than most of them um but it was a lot of young producers making really like exciting new work like Death Drop is an all drag play um that hasn't existed in the West End before and it's it's doing that kind of thing it's putting like people on stage who are unapologetically queer um and having those people backstage and and producing it as well and it's i think that's good that's hopeful and that's something to hang on to and i do hope that that continues on um even in the midst of all of these shows reopening that we get a lot of exciting new um and young voices in the scene uh provided they haven't left the industry because it's a really difficult time to yeah. be in it yeah. i sort of I kind of want to go back just to because at the beginning of each pod I've sort of asked people when was the last time you had a moment of wanting to be an actor and I suppose with you I'd like to ask when was the last moment you had a moment of being like this is why I'm a producer this is why I want to do this job but you sort of answered it there although I'll give you a chance to give you another answer um, yesterday I was, I was with this, so I don't, I don't work on weekends, but yesterday I was having a chat, um, with a producer based in New York and a producer based in the UK, um, just because he was introducing us. And there was something that uh, we were talking about and something that then came out. Of, so I'm, I'm going to say yesterday, but something that Not came good. out of that is the reason that I do my job is because I think about the kind of younger me who always love theatre I know that's like really cheesy to it's say. not cheesy like, it's not um, I haven't always wanted to be a producer because I didn't know what they were mm. um, but always love theatre 
I see it's really funny that I'm the first person that's not an actor because people are always like I always ask what was your route into producing and so often it's people being like I was on stage and then I ended up no I hate being on stage I don't like acting I mean we did the <laughs> theatre together yeah. I was we're bad we're gonna get to that we're gonna get to that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were bad like, I will not, not I will hold thing. that you were not bad I will go no defend that no absolutely not but no go on <laughs> Um, and 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 that young girl who never really saw anyone who looked like her doing this job, and it's like it does take a little bit of a little bit of audacity and blind faith um, to go. You know what? Doesn't matter that there's no one that looks like me that's going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then the next person. And it's this thing of I don't want to be uh, the kind of groundbreaker or the the person changing things forever. I want I want someone else to come in like behind that. I want to lift other people up to to do that and to become that person. Um as much as like it's really great to right now have the mantle of youngest female producer in the West End, I would love someone to take that away from me. Like I'd love some 18-year-old to come in and, and take that away from me. That'd be amazing. Um it's so yeah, I think because it's for that younger me and and being truthful to that it that's the thing that always reminds me why I do the job and always helps me say yes or no to shows is at the end of the day being like would my younger self one want to see this <laughs> which is sometimes hard because some things aren't appropriate for <laughs> um, but yeah and and would and would it kind of help lift that next person up and I think that's that's the essence of why I'm a producer. That sounds so. No, that's wanky, as good a reason. Like... That's a good a reason as any other. That's yeah. I think that's a great reason. You don't need me to tell you it's a great reason, but I kind of want to go back to because you mentioned it there to youth theatre, and I. Yeah. So that was where we knew each other not well, but we. I did. I, I did remember you, and when I saw that you were then producing, I was like, oh my god, that's fucking Amina. <laughs> But I, I, my impression that I got from you at that time, and tell me if this is really fucking wrong, but I, but you said then you hated acting. And I always got the feeling, yeah. and I think, I think it was the case with a lot of people at Nuffield in particular, was that you almost weren't, it almost felt like you weren't there for the show. It almost felt like you were there because your mates were there and it was like fun and it was, you know, it was a good place to hang out. And I think... So, to be honest, that was a lot of the reason why a lot of us were there because it just was a great atmosphere and it was, you know, it was very social and it was, you know, one night a week and it was cool. And so, was is that is that fair to say? Were you were, were you there? Were you there because you wanted to be an actor originally, or were you there just because, or were you interested in no, theatre? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so I was I was always interested in theatre, and I think that. Like, absolutely, you do go because your mates are there, but that's not why you start, because you don't have friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think that's why I went. I didn't know. I just was like, I didn't know. Yeah, it was just the same. Um, didn't know anyone that's not. But yeah, no, I think it was... It, like, it, I went because um, Max Lindsay, he then, who, like, I love with all of yeah, my heart. Yeah, and he's, that, I just, I can, hope he listens no, to this. I, he's just amazing. I, 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 <laughs> I, told, I spoke to him this week. I told him that I was doing a podcast and he had a funny reaction. I'll show you later. But, but um, yeah, he's someone we can definitely talk about in a minute. But no, go on. Um, but, but, yeah, so he came into my school at the time and did a workshop um, and then, and my drama teacher was absolutely brilliant. And, and I always talk about her being really formative in, in everything I did, because I think when I was doing, I did GCSE drama and I didn't like the acting part, um, which you can tell from the way that I did GCSE drama. But I was working with these uh, three guys who are brilliant actors, terrible at doing any work whatsoever. Um, so it was kind of like I'd give them a task and then I'd actually just do it myself. Okay. Um, and so I ended up writing the whole script. Like I, I came in with the idea. I wrote the I wrote the script for this piece and, and kind of directed it. And then um, it was good. Like for, for, well, for a GCSE piece, I read some of it back and I was like, it's not good. Um, but at the time it was, it was and, and she sort of told me more about directing and more about not being on stage. Um, so she introduced me to Max and, and was like, you should you should join the youth theatre and, and do that mm. so that you get a chance. Um, and I did. And then I met a load of people who were really, really talented. And I was like, yeah, I shouldn't be acting. That's, <laughs> this really isn't my thing. Um, but I but I learned a lot because the way that Max taught was always about all of theatre. Yeah, it was never absolutely. about just acting. Um, and I think... 
Yeah, and, and I made so many friends in a way that was really useful for me at the time because I was going to this school where I had a group of friends who later down the line would not be my friends anymore, um, but who, like, I, I, I always describe it as when I was younger, I felt like a secondary character in someone else's story. Um, and I think that youth theatre was kind of the first thing where I went, no, actually, like, there are nice people, <laughs> they're real friends um, and have shared interests with you and you can talk to. And I think for that, it's just nice to have that sort of after there's like a million different movies about that, like after school club group that all gets together. I don't know what I'm referencing. That's not a single thing. No, I, no, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and I think it was that. It was being around people who had similar brains to me, um, but were probably better actors. But <laughs> um, And I think, yeah, that was, re- that was really good and that was really useful. And I think I did, I did keep going then because my friends were there mm. and not because I was going to be in well, any Well, no, I was then... So was then when... Yeah, you, would you, did you keep going because of... Because you were thinking, oh, I would like to be in this job some point down the line. Or were you thinking that far ahead? Um, no, at the time I thought I was going to be a lawyer. So um, I really <laughs> didn't. And, yeah. and like, to be honest, until two years ago, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. But um, I, I went because <clears throat> I... So my, my mum, when I was younger, forced me to do hockey. Um, I don't like sport. And this is something that anyone who knows me knows. I'm just not a fan of sport. The fact that I've started running is insane to my friends. Um, I just, I felt like I needed to exercise. And it's a really (laughs) good way to get like anger out. Um, Yeah, I've heard people talk about that. The the sort of therapeutic sort of just going. Yeah. Um, And so, and so I really didn't like doing hockey. But that was my, my thing that I did one night a week. So I had an after school club. And then I found youth theatre and I was like this is going to be my thing this is going to be the thing that I can do that's not hockey um that is you know more more me and more fun and and useful and and at the time drama and theatre was definitely a thing that was going to always be on the side because it's as everyone tells you all the time it's It's not not, a stable job it's not stable Um, (laughs) don't if anyone listen to this think it's stable don't no and it's it's but, the thing of um yeah because i talk to people a lot and i'm like if you really really want to do it you should do it because if you like if you have that passion and you, i do believe that you'll be successful and i think that because by all, all odds i should not be and i should not be where i am and so I, it's because of the drive and the passion that i have for theater and for making theater um so i think if you have that you can do it but it's it's not easy. That's not it's never easy. Mm. And people were always telling me that when I was younger. Um, were always saying, yeah, it's it's not stable. And and also nobody looks like you in that in that field. And um, people were telling you that. Well, not in those words. <laughs> but right. But, but yeah, no, in yeah. in like every sense of the word, it was that thing of going. Nobody. It's not for. It's not really like for people like you. Um, get go be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, and it didn't help that people were like, you can't... <laughs> well, they could see that I was not a very talented actor. Um, we can say that I was fine. I was okay. I'll take that. So you don't have I to argue with me. I remember doing scenes I remember doing scenes. And I'm really not an actor. Um, and <laughs> it's just... But I... Um, yeah, anyway. I, um, I really... Like I really, really liked theatre, and I, I think I just didn't know what producing was, and because of that, had no outlet for this person who was really organised and like weirdly, <laughs> weirdly like legal in in her thinking, um, mm. and really enjoyed spreadsheets, which we'll go into. Um, <laughs> but um, but also really loved theatre and was really creative, and it was this idea that you either it's the i really hate the whole you're either left brain or right brained um because firstly i don't think it's true we both have two sides of our brain i i don't understand probably there's loads of logic behind it that i don't know but it doesn't matter um and i really didn't like the idea of you could either be really organized and logical or you could be creative because i felt Mm. like i was both um Mm. but because people could see how that first side was working it was very much like no you should you should do something like be a lawyer and and looking back on it i was and i was going to be a lawyer because people were telling me i should be not because i really wanted to be right um right. 
And and when I talked to people, I was like, it's as close to a stage as I can get. That's why I wanted to be a lawyer and specifically a barrister. I have heard that. I have heard the sort of connection between the sort of theatricality of law yeah. and I don't know anything about law. I'm not going to pretend <laughs> I do, but I, th- I have heard that before. Yeah. And I think it was that thing of going, well, you're kind of creating a story and you're creating this idea for the for the audience which isn't an audience um and because i thought well i'm i'm not going to be able to do the the stage stuff um oh this is really close this is what i want to do in that sense um but yeah it 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 definitely wasn't i definitely wasn't going i'm going to go into theater i was going because i loved it and i wished i could and it was the outlet of of that um and knowing that by the time i reached whenever i left school 18 yes by the time I reached 18 I wouldn't be doing that really anymore except in the form of like whatever university drama I ended up doing um but even that like law is a course I have friends who do it is so much and so taxing Mm. that it's really hard it's really hard to also do extracurricular so so I kind of went with the notion of going I'm going to do law and then I'll do some drama on the side and then inevitably in my real my real adult life I'll be a lawyer and yeah. leave leave drama behind so I went hoping to make the most of the time when I could still have fun and still be a kid uh little did I know that I'd still be a kid <laughs> what is it now four <laughs> years later <laughs> um but yeah so that's uh, yeah I definitely didn't go thinking I'm this is gonna make me an actor <laughs> but so what was the so let's talk about Max because I think he's someone that like definitely should be uh should be uh Championed, even though, like, I mean, the fact that I, the fact that I text, because I think of him now as like a mate. I think it's bizarre yeah. now that I have his number when I think back to what I thought about him when. Uh, how 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 young were you when you were at fucking Nuffield? You fourteen? Fifteen? 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 I don't know. I must have been. I must have been seventeen, eighteen, or something. But like the, I remember thinking of him as this kind of like. I just thought he was. He was. He was unlike anyone I'd ever met for it, yeah. you theatre he, he swears a lot which like is great it, is a bit, it, is, it, does, <laughs> it does make a big difference it really is like weird like I think that his his just attitudes towards and the, you said something really um, so bang on which it wasn't it was never about he, he, I think that's why people Maybe you could say this more about yourself, but I think that people who didn't want to be actors didn't feel excluded at Nuffield because it was never about actors. Yeah. And he, he hated that idea of... I actually joked with him because I was like... I was said I, I was getting you on and other people who weren't actors on. He was like, yeah, thank God, because actors have such big egos. They think the industry is just about them. And I think it's absolutely spot on. And he never let us do that. He never allowed us to think it was about he always said that's the asm that's the dsm yeah thank them with all your heart that's emma cairns who is way overqualified <laughs> to be doing this show but she's here working with you thank her she's costumes on is brilliant and i wonder if that if that had an impact on you absolutely well, talk about that impact i think the re- so the reason i mentioned the swearing is because i think he was one of the first people that like and and it's such a big thing because when you're a teenager all you're fighting for is to be treated like your as your age and you have a and you have a brain um and I think he was the first person that really treated me like an adult um and I and that that was like groundbreaking for me because I'd always been I mean I've always been and I still am like reasonably mature for my age and um, I don't know when that stops being true, but I feel like in my aggressively brain, mature I'm, for your age. <laughs> <laughs> always, always, just yeah, yeah, yeah. I do aggressively young aggressive. and aggressively mature. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and so, it was really that was the thing that changed it. But it, I always, when I talk about uh, that, and I talk about that process, is that it felt really collaborative, and it didn't feel yeah. like. And and I think that's still something I look for when I'm working with directors now is making sure that they make the room feel collab- collaborative because like at the end of the day everyone has a brain and I think there were definitely some points when when I was starting out in my career and I came I came into rooms to watch rehearsals and people would kind of go what's your opinion and I'd go nobody actually wants that um but they Mm. do and and really great directors do and and I think Max was kind of the first person to show me that that it's not just about who's acting um and who's on stage and yeah, it's it's really realizing that, and I think Nuffield showed me that. I mean, after um, 
that I like <laughs> to take you through my story um, after I yes. finished yes. youth theatre um, because I, I stopped doing youth theatre when I went into uh, my sixth form so when I went to do my A-levels and, right. and was that and, a conscious decision or just like you just what, well, you just stopped going I think a lot of my friends had left um, at that point and I think I was going to well the re- the main reason was I was going to direct a show in sixth form was the plan um and then I came to butt heads with a drama teacher who shall not be named um but I'm really hoping that she feels all very um embarrassed now for for not treating me very well um didn't treat you very well this was in sixth form yeah um which I think to be fair I was I was a bit precocious but (laughs) It wasn't a great relationship. Um, essentially, the drama teacher that I had uh, left, and then we got a new one. I don't want to really know. What was the, what was the drama about. teacher before that? You spoke about, I saw on your website, you talked about your first yes, drama teacher. Yeah. What, was, what was their name? Um, her name is Caroline Piggott. She's amazing. Um, she Good was in Mr. Caroline Bean. Piggott. This is really like, like <laughs> I don't know why that's always the thing. Come on, come on. Um, what yeah, she's what claim to fame? She, um, she, in the pet show where Mr. Bean takes, his bear to the pet show she plays the like administrator um i don't know why that's always the thing that i say about her she's also amazing she's also a ceramicist and she makes some really cool like pots and and things now wow i know she's great um that's so cool but she had like this perfectly cool life of like she went to cambridge and and lived in paris and all of this stuff and i was like she's so cool um, glamorous and yeah yeah and then was also really really nice and really supportive and is still really supportive we're friends on facebook now and i can't explain how happy that makes me that's such a weird um, relationship isn't it when you get teachers on facebook do you call her by your first name now yeah i really so have to weird, work to say it doesn't feel Caroline. right <laughs> at all um but yeah and, and she still comments on things and it's just really nice to see to see that that's the relationship that it should have been um but then i moved into sixth form um, and essentially what happened was, uh, what used to happen was that every year, and this is a thing I'd been waiting for for possibly two years by this point, um, a, a sixth former would get to direct a play um, and it would be the sixth form play and it happened every year, except she decided that it would not happen that year and instead they'd do a different play. Um, and so I kept fighting for it and kept fighting for it. And then um, she was like, we need to do an open application process. And I was like, nobody else wants to do this. (laughs) And I was right. Um, And then she had one drama student that she, this is, I had possibly one of the most kick in the face meetings I've ever had, which was she like told me to go to her office. I went um, and she went, the drama student just doesn't have time to do it with her with her extra project because we had we had extended projects that we were doing um and so because of that you can you can direct the play and i was like okay i mean i've prepped for this i like sent you an entire pitch but no because she's busy i can do it um for context i also had an extended project to do and three a levels so i don't know what that was for um but anyway, I did get to direct the play and, and I also ended up producing it because I didn't get hugely supported until it sold out. Um, and so... It sold out? Yeah, it sold out. There you go. <laughs> um, I, I feel like, listener, I just had the biggest smile on my face. Which <laughs> <laughs> is like, yes. Yeah. Um, and then from that, I and, and before that, I'd done some work on this is such a I talk about this far too often on a musical farce about physics that was written by a physics teacher of mine um come on <laughs> and yeah and we took it to the theater royal in Winchester and it was great fun and I stage managed it um which I always talk to people about how I miss being stage management I like I don't really but I like pretending that I do some stage I management think tasks. I think it's the the most important person in a room yeah it's the, it's the person i look at for like please tell me it's all gonna be okay i don't know how they maintain so calm, calm. i just so they calm. just i like even the theater i used to live with a um a stage manager and even just like at home she was just the calmest person she just was so i was like where, where have these people come from they're the best. so anxious in a rehearsal room yeah um and they're always yeah they're always the person that i'm, I'm really picky about um not that i'm not picky about everyone else but 
I there's some people where I'm like if you're touring I want you to use this stage manager because I trust them to like to take on things because essentially like as a producer I work on a lot of different shows I have a lot of stuff to do I also am trying to do a degree um and because of all of those things I need someone I always need someone that I can really trust to do things and stage managers they're just really really good at problem solving and it's it's great um you you've described you you said that um i just think there's something just because we're like i mean i think was this towards the end of sixth form yes yeah so you were 18 so how old are you you're 20 yeah i know it's been it's been a very weird fucking mad (laughs) because it's like sorry i just back i wet my mic but it's just how how I'm trying to get my head around it. So, like, you described yourself as precocious. And I think that is probably one of the words I would use, like, a sort of, like, you just go, and it was also, like, a ray of sunshine, like, a ray of precocious sunshine. Like, how the fuck have you done it? Like, I, I, like the fact that you are the youngest female producer is, like, I mean, I know that you said at the beginning that you would love for someone to take that on for you. And I think that's a beautiful, beautifully inspiring thing to have as your not like now philosophy i'd like it for no no yeah enjoy it now enjoy it now (laughs) enjoy it now but like the fact the fact is that your name is sort of going to be like etched in to that for probably for a long time until a teenager comes and yeah you know takes that and i just think uh, i just i just kind of just want to know like how the fuck have you done it (laughs) and also you're doing a degree and i noticed this on your again on your website like I just don't know how you find the time. Oh, I, it's really funny because I think the wording on my website is uh, in her spare time. <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, spare time. Oh, she does a so degree funny. of. Uh, uh, I, I may have read this anthropology. Yeah, did I read that wrong? Anthropology. Yeah, anthropology. Fucking um, hell. It's very interesting. It's not. It actually, sounds great. Like, yeah. If you can see my bookshelf, I mean, the listener can't see my bookshelf. All but, I can see is the Hamilton book. Um, I think. Yeah. Because it's yeah. large, there's yeah, yeah. Um, which I will talk about in a second because I'm going to tell you how I did it. Um, okay. Essentially, like it's this. This, <laughs> this story starts off really sad, but I promise you, it gets better. That's okay. Just bear with it. Um, mm-hmm. When I was 17, or I now don't know. Well, it... <laughs> yeah, I must have been 17 because I can't have turned 18 yet. When I was 17 in January of 2018. Um, my brother passed away. And in this same week, um, I also, as I said, I wanted to be a lawyer. I'd pinned my hopes on get, this is what my life plan was. I was going to go to Cambridge. I was then going to go to Harvard. I was going to get dual qualifications in US and British law. And I was going to work across both countries. Wow. Um, what a, what a, but I, so I, I, on the Wednesday of this week, I found out that I didn't get into Cambridge and, um, and then on the Saturday, I found out that my brother had passed away. Um, and essentially, uh, this was right around the time that I was directing and producing this this play. Um, and I, I just, they, I had a meeting with my head of sixth form because I kept going to, to school. I will go back on like how insane everything I did at the time was, but it kept me sane. I, I was in the middle of my mock exams as well for my A-levels. Um, and what I, I like went back into school on the Monday after and did some mock exams. I did terribly, but I sat there and I did the exams and that was like my brain keeping in check with things. And I got, I had a meeting with my head of sixth form and he said, we can, we can hand off the play. You don't have to keep, keep directing. And I went, please don't take it away from me. It's genuinely the only thing that's keeping me sane. Um, Mm. And so I then spent that like the rest of January and and the show was in uh, right at the beginning of February and I I directed it and produced it and it was the thing that kind of kept me going and kept me sane and and granted I did not I will say I don't think I had the healthiest way of dealing with it all um but I then I got into Durham and I decided that I was going to go there and study and study law and and I also decided then that I'd really dive into doing theatre there as well um and so I did that and then, uh, and I'm like, that was the goal. Um, and then I decided six months after this all happened to take my A-level still, even though everyone was telling me to postpone them, which I should have done. But anyway, I missed my grades, um, which at the time was the worst thing that could have happened to me and turned out to be the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, and I essentially when and I, I missed my grades for for Durham and I missed my grades for my backup which was Birmingham and I 
just sat and cried and was like, I, I have no future. I don't know what to do with my life. Um, and then I decided to take a gap year rather than going through clearing because I didn't want to rush going to a university. Um, the day after results day, I found out what social anthropology was and I decided that I'd apply for that. So I pretty quickly wrote up an application. And then once that was all done in October, <laughs> I, um, or in, yeah, no, well, September, October time, um, my parents and I went on holiday to Portugal and I had a moment where I went, I could stay here forever and I don't have any other plans. So that wouldn't really interfere with my life. And, and it was just, it was that, that I went, okay, I really need to do something this year. Um, and so I applied funnily enough to be the youth theater assistant at Nuffield, which I did not get, mm. um, which it was great that I didn't get it. Um, because I also had a really great chat with now who was the youth theatre director there, uh, Liam Gifford and Rupert, who I, you must know Rupert Robotham, who like is one of the heads of engagement um, at Nuffield. And they were both like, we would really like to support you, though. We don't know how, but we're going to mm. figure it out. Mm. Um and so from there, I then, Liam sent me a producing course at the National. Uh, they introduced me to Aidan Grounds, who was then um, head of producing and programming at Nuffield, is now yeah. head of, uh, executive producer at Leicester Curve. Yeah, we'll say that. Um, I think yeah. that's the title. Um, mm-hmm. And he essentially saw something in me that at the time I didn't see. And, and that was when I started to learn what producing was. Um, and at the time I had this very, I also was writing at the time, um, not in order, I think in order, like I was writing a play, but I was writing for therapy because I wrote a show about grief and in doing that processed my own, um, in a way that I really hadn't done. And I think that put me in such, and so much better stead. So when it came to 2019, I kind of went, I'm going to put everything into this year. I'm going to put everything into doing what I can. And I'm going to see if if I can do this, because now is the time to figure it out. Um, so I learned what producing was. I uh, met Aidan. I ended up working at Nuffield. I went to Edinburgh Fringe as one of their emerging producers with the British Council. Um, I produced my first show at um, in Sheffield after getting the job on Twitter. Um, I worked on a reading with like at, at the park, which um, ended up getting picked up by people I'm now working with, which is very exciting. Um, mm. And I, di- I did all of that in a very short space of time and really just decided that I'd just believe in myself until other people did. Um, and then... <laughs> Yeah, and then and then so in December of last year, I did a Christmas. Sh- I co-produced a Christmas show um, at the Old Red Lion, um, which was an experience. And then uh, in January and February of this year, I um, was working at Vaults. And I was also doing some development work, um, and I was about to go <laughs> associate produce on an immersive show. And then uh, lockdown happened. <laughs> Mm, and yeah. um and because i think i've always been um it's really funny because hamilton is a show that really really sticks with me in a way that i don't think it sticks with most people one because it's actually the last show that i saw with my brother um so on the 1st of january uh we all went to see it um and i and then i went to see it again in march with my parents um and it's really funny that uh, when I saw it the first time, certain things really struck me. And when I saw it the second time, it was I was like bawling my eyes out through Wait For It, um, which is the Aaron mm. Burr song for people who don't know the show. And it was this thing of going, I like I don't know how much time I have. I don't know how much time anyone has. And I want to make the most of it. And I want to be doing something that I love. And if I was going to study law that's not what I wanted to do and that's not what like made my heart sing and and I knew that and I knew that from from February from when I put on this show I I knew that that was what I should be doing with my life um and I really just kind of took this time to prove it to myself and to prove it to my parents that I could do it because they are like understandably (laughs) they're both immigrants that came here for me to have a better life I'd like going into one of the like least stable industries maybe wasn't the best shout um so i had to prove to them i could do it and and, and i went well if i'm gonna prove to th- this to them i need to do it before i go to uni um if that happens 
And so I just like really worked like I was running out of time. And it was, it was like, and that's why Hamilton really sticks with me is because he does so much in such in in his life and and fills his life even though he like um died so sorry that's a spoiler it it's history no, no, I, I think it's been out for a while people <laughs> like, like, that's that's history i don't think <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it's also history yeah. um but but yeah and and i think it was this thing of going well i i know that i know that i have now i know that i have each day and and i think like the whole make the most of every day thing or what if this is your last day to live people are always go well i'd do all of this stuff and spend all of my money and and do all of this and i i don't think i would i think i I'd, I'd do my job and and getting to that point where you're like this is what i'm meant to be doing and if this was like if this was my last day on earth i'd be happy with it um and i think that was that was the thing and that i just got very like i got a very big sense of my mortality at a time when i was when i was quite young um and really made the most of that time and then this year <laughs> really yeah well it was the time when you could do nothing or you could there was this big gaping hole that like you, that I had the opportunity to fill. I mean, and and I was lucky because I'd been so busy at the beginning of the year that I decided to take a break in the summer. Um, <laughs> I was going to go to my cousin's wedding in America. Mm. I was I was going to take some time off. I was possibly going to go to New York and hopefully meet some people there. Um, and then COVID happened, but I didn't have any shows to cancel. I had like one show that was that was hitting at the end of March um, that we had to cancel. And we finally got to do actually in November, but. Um, I had no other no other shows to cancel. And because of that, I kind of went, okay, well, I can't sit at home. This is also my university holiday. There's really nothing I can do. I have to be doing something. Um, and I decided that I would do something for graduates because I was worried that they would get left behind. And because a lot of my friends at the time were, granted, were graduating from non-dramatic degrees, um, but were graduating into this very scary uh landscape and and so i thought well i can all i'll do is i'll set up a website page um and i'll try and like do some some press for it and see what we can do and and get that set up and and get some grad like get some eyes on graduates um just because it was something i could do um and something i knew could happen in spite of everything so I did that and then I messaged someone and I was like, do we, do you know anyone at the stage? Who should I message? Um, and then I sent, uh, like, I think I tweeted at Matt Hemley um, and then, and then he was like, send me an email. And then I got an email back from, from Giovanni Damaso, who um, ended up interviewing me in my pajamas. Um, and so from that, it kind of blew up a little bit. Um, and then, which is just so weird that, like, in this year, I got an interview at the stage. It's very strange. Um, and then from, from that, I think I got, like, a little bit of notoriety from that. And then the Actors Centre, uh, Mitchell at the Actors Centre sent me an email. And when mm. we've seen what you're doing with graduates and we want to run a graduate festival. And they were, a big part of it was me being unbiased because I didn't go to any of these drama schools. So when picking graduates for the festival, um, I would I would be that. And right. so and yeah, and so then I started working with them um and was also working on some podcasts, um, or a podcast actually at the time called Right Ho Jeeves, which was just literally just me and a bunch of friends, um, because we got the rights for free. Um and yeah, just created this radio drama version of Right Ho Jeeves. Um and so was doing all of this in, in summer. And then once things started to ease up and we kind of, you know, that really nice bit of summer where we could leave the house. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, so I worked on as an assistant producer on an outdoor festival with uh, part of the main for virtual collaborators, um, which was really great. And essentially, I, at the time, I'd been living in Southampton because I went back home in March and stayed there until October. Um, and so I came back up and stayed with a brilliant artist that I worked with, Tabby Lamb, um, and their cat, which, oh, the cutest cat. Anyway. Um, What's the cat's name? What's the cat's name? It's Pan or Pantalimon, 
because it's oh, named Pantalata, after. Oh, Pantalata, yeah. Yeah. Very good. It's, yeah. Very good. It's very sweet cat. Um, so yeah, apart from the fact that that cat does just, if you don't think about it, will sit in the middle of the bed and you're like, well, I'm sleeping around you. That's fine. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but so I went out to stay there and then, and at the time had been talking to a few different people about potentially doing a larger scale show. I started career coaching at the beginning of at the beginning of lockdown as well, which seems like a very weird time to do it, but was really useful because I had a blank slate to start from. Um, and then while working on this festival, one of the things that I'd set up was a meeting, an in-person meeting. Oh my God. Um, with a producer called Stephen McGill. And so I met him, at, I met him at 2 p.m. Um, I ended up leaving that evening at 10 p.m. But in the interim, we made very good friends. Um, and I, and then uh, Chris Clegg, who I'd known for a little while um, and who was the producer of Tuck Shop and the lead producer on Death Drop, um, came around and was like, I've just had a meeting with NIMAX and, and we're doing this and we're hoping to do the show and here are the figures. Um, and so I went, well, send me these in the morning. I'm really interested. And that's how I ended up being the West End series producer. Um, and here we are. Oh, my word. It's just, I mean, you, 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 you skate over things like I've never known anyone do in my entire life. But I won't, I won't I, there's no, we don't have enough time today to get through all of it. But it's just, I, I think it's just remarkable. I don't, you don't need me to tell you that again. But, like, I, I sort of want to know then what... So we're sort of in a... a, a a time now where we don't we're we're, we're uncertain about when theatre's going to come back but I kind of want to know what your what your plan is because I mean you talk I mean again like you talk about being 20 years old and being a producer on the West End which is an achievement in itself and and amazing but you also talked about writing and about directing early on and I didn't know if there was something in that that you wanted to pursue, or just, are you just thinking about getting to the end of your degree at the moment? <laughs> no, somebody was asking me when I was going to be looking for office space, and I was like, when I finish my degree? Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, well, I've been asked this question a lot recently, I think, because my goal for quite a long time was being the youngest producer on the West End. And Was that actually your goal? Yeah, yeah. I, did, I genuinely, and it was really funny. That's because... amazing. No, no, I don't, I, don't, I, I sort of try not to, I, I, I try not to say that with a kind of, question i think that no but yeah why the fuck not like why not um and and like it's yeah it's the little bit of i think it's and i think if i was i think if i was a man it wouldn't be this but i think it is the little thing of being a bit being a bit audacious and 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 going yeah you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do it because that's what i want to do um and having and having the confidence in myself to know that I am qualified for that as much as anyone else is um but it yeah it, it was a goal of mine and it was a thing of going I really like I want to I want to be that and and um I had spoken to people about it not like wildly <laughs> um mm. but I I had spoken to people about it and and it was something that I wanted to do and then once it happened I was like okay I do need to well now what um, and it was this thing of going, actually, that that was one of my goals. But I've always like I've always wanted to work in commercial theatre, which I think is a bit of a like dirty word. Um, but talk a bit more about that, because I think that I've been thinking about it a lot recently in that. W- the only thing I could use to as, a, as, a, as an example is when I, I hear I had an interview with Steve McQueen talking um, years ago now I think it was Desert Island Discs or something and he talked about this piece of artwork that he did called um, I can't remember it was, it was about uh, uh, deceased soldiers who had been in care who, who had died I think in the Iraq war and he wanted to put them on stamps and he wanted it to he didn't want it to be a big thing he just wanted it to flow and he, I think the words he described was in the bloodstream of the country and that was the thing that I thought about when I thought about Death Drop in that, like, to have a to have a show like that, it sort of is doing that. It sort of is like, it's a big it's a big commercial show, but it's 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 
got something a lot more with a, with a lot of substance underneath. Yeah. And I think that when people say, "Oh, the commercial theatre is rubbish," it's like, but actually, like if if you use it right, in the same way that Hamilton did, I suppose, mm-hmm. the sort of like the, the mecca of it all, like it can be really effective. Yeah. It can be like uh, it can ch- it can change things a lot, and I think. The example I've used was Steve McQueen's Small Axe, which just came out recently, which is the, those five films. The fact they're on BBC, I just think it's like, that's amazing. Like, people who will watch those and never, never would even thought about watching something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, well, I, I, I always talk back to that younger self, right? And she wasn't going to vaults or Fringe or going to see that. No, like that. no, And nobody no. was. And, and I think, and I think about my parents and what they go and see, and when they come and see my shows, and they're like, "No, it was good. It was really, yeah, it's not our thing." It was good. Um, or like, it's in like a cupboard. <laughs> um, yeah, not the case anymore. Um, no, no, big cupboard, big, very really big. Cupboard. Big cupboard. <laughs> um, and so it's been, yeah, it's been really good to kind of to like re- remember that and remember that actually like normal people who aren't like yeah. really theatrical will go and see the musical that's touring in their town or will go into town to see something and you can absolutely do things because you want to inspire the next like generation of theater makers and i think that's great but but i i really want to disprove this myth that like diverse theater can't be commercial um mm. Because it can, and and Death Drop proves that it can be, um, because those like I think at the end of the day, what people want is fun, entertainment, a mm, story. Yeah, um, and so it, like I I get it, I get the idea of being like, but subsidized theatre, you can you know you do all those things, but I think nobody I, I don't think anyone in in good conscience can say that when they were younger they were going to those like tiny fringe venues and, and doing that and I think you if you want to reach normal people if you want to if you want to reach the kind of country as a whole and and theatre should want to do that because it is it should be like political in its aim it should be like make, provoke thought in, in whatever way it can um, and I think it, it if you want to do that and if you want to have that reach that I think theatre should have, you do have to do commercial work. And I'm not saying that you have to do specific shows um, or that you have to like fit that box, but it's really it's really about creating work and having the vision for that work that it can be large scale, that it can be something um, massive and, and, and important. And it's, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's knowing that um, and knowing that I want to like be part of the change in the in the landscape of of commercial theatre, um, because I don't look like a lot of other people who are around, um, and I think and I and I don't have the same background as a lot of people who are who are around commercial theatre, and I think that that is starting to change, and there's and I'm, we're starting to see a shift there, um, and, and yeah, that's that's I think the best thing um, because I get it, I understand the like. <laughs> but I, it's a bit snobby, to be honest. It's a bit snobby to think, be like, yeah, I'd rather be working at the national. Um, yeah, I think it is. Because, yeah, there's, there's like the popularity. And it's the same thing I think happens in music, right? When people are like, I don't like pop music. We, I can't stand you, it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I can't stand that <laughs> argument. The only, the only good music happened yeah. 60 years ago. It's and, bollocks. Yeah, it's absolute bollocks. But also, half of that music was pop music. Because yeah, it exactly. means popular music. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's that thing of, of, no, it's not, it's all too derivative now or this or that. And mm. I, I hate it. It happens argument. in films and it happens in films yeah. and TV as well. And I think, again, I think it is a sort of like, it comes down to, I think people just, I think it's just a snobs about it. Yeah. It's like, and I think, I think that's certain, I, I think the more I talk to people, because I went to drama school, I think I think there is a bit of that at drama school. I wouldn't be surprised if people feel it stronger than I do, but I I, I felt that there was a bit of like, oh, you know, you wouldn't want to do Harry Potter the play. You'd want to do like, this, like, but like Harry Potter the play is fucking huge. Like, think of the people that yeah. you could talk to and change their life. Like, I don't, yeah, I, I I'm completely with you. I'm completely yeah, with you. I, I like I think that at the end of the day, that's what. 
like you're only shooting yourself in the foot if you're saying because you probably don't even dislike it you're just trying to sound cool yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's that thing everyone wants to be contrarian and everyone wants to be like oh i don't i don't like that or i don't like i don't like cardi b or i don't like this or i don't like that like you you could you could just not you can like them if you want yeah (laughs) and and it's the whole like guilty pleasure thing i know a lot of people who, mm. who will be like oh well this is my guilty no it isn't you just like the thing that it's your you pleasure it's you can cool. say it's your pleasure yeah yeah um and i kind yeah. of i kind of no no it was a good one no i, I yeah I, I like at the end of the day that's the that's mm. that's it isn't it if and also you can dislike things that other people like without being like you're an idiot for liking that you don't, right. don't. yeah 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 i kind of want to I'm, I'm heartbroken because I know that we're we're losing time. But I think we've got a bit more time, and I kind of want to talk about because you are a producer, because you know you are going to be around for a long time. I have no okay. doubt about that. I've, I've somebody you know, knock on wood. For basically, about fifty minutes, and I can I could yeah. Um, I was reading something about th- uh, because of the state of we're in right now with. Uh, it's, you know, it's people. I know people know that you know Brexit's going on and COVID's going on, but still, it is going on. And I was reading something about theatre in Germany when after the Second World War and after that time of I'm not comparing this to the Second World War, but after that time that the, the theatre in that country changed and it became about it became less about fun and more about confronting ourselves. Yeah, and I wonder if. Britain is approaching that because I think that the contrary is that Britain theatre changed after World War II and it was just about fun. It was just about like, you know, farce and like entertainment. And I wonder if we're sort of coming, it's all coming full circle now. And I wonder if that the next, the next few years of theatre is going to be quite sharp on us, particularly on this government. And I didn't know what your opinion on that was. I think, um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, I, I think, like, in terms... I do think it will go through the, like, lens of comedy um, because I think comedy can get away with slightly more than, than mm. drama can um, in terms of poking, poking that fun and, and drawing, yeah. up, um, drawing up those issues. Um, I mean, in Death Drop, for example, there is there is a character called Rich Whiteman, um, and like it's that kind of thing of, of right, yeah, yeah, like you, it's it's hilarious, and you laugh at him, but you laugh at him knowing who he represents, and it's right. that like is great, and it's it's, I think that yeah, that and and comedy and political comedy is is something that. I, I love and I, and I love with all my heart and I think it's such a great way of going about things and way of doing things. It's very like English as well. Yeah. I think it's very sort of like in our sort of culture of of have I got news for you and mock the week and yeah. sort of that kind of world. Because that's like the lens that and, and it's and it makes it more accessible because right. there's the whole thing of people being or not being politically engaged. Um, and I it yeah, it just makes it so much more accessible to, to be able to go Oh, actually, yeah. This is this. Um, mm. This is funny, or I can, or I, like. I didn't know that they were doing that thing, um, because a lot of the time they do smaller stories that you wouldn't, that maybe people wouldn't have heard of. Um, and I think, I think it will definitely be the time, particularly because of the time we have left with this government. <laughs> Um, oh, that election was so bad. Even timed. that you've said with some kind of sunshine. I don't know how you've done that. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think when um, it, it will come as a surprise to no one that I'm not a massive supporter of this government. Um, You're not Tory. No, I'm shockingly not. <laughs> um, and is that is that is just 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 is that a is that a part of your job that you do that is still because I, when I think about West End producers, it is still a thing that I think about. And the very limited experience I had of doing a, a show last year, the theatres were all white men. Yeah, and I think maybe, maybe one, maybe maybe one woman. And I wonder, like, what, how you navigate that world as well, and how you're planning on navigating that world, or is it changing? Um. Well. <laughs> 
I just looked in my head at all the people I work with and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, so to, to, and I think this is important to say because, um, as much as I do tick probably every box, um, I, I went to private school, um, granted it wasn't the best place to be a young black woman. Um, Mm. but when I went there, um, I experienced so much like people thinking it's okay to say the n-word people who've never been told no in their lives um who are just who just think they they can get anything um all of and and some really great people I mean there there are some diamonds in the rough to be to be fair um but because of that I'm very used to being in that environment and that that um kind of and and dealing with those people and when I was younger, I will say that I think... When I was younger. I say that like... I, when I was younger. Like, yeah, I know. I say that like it's changed. Um, but it is. When I was younger, I did definitely used to um, get really, really angry at everything and everyone. And any anything anyone said that was inappropriate, um, I was immediately angry about it. And I found that in a lot of cases... Um, I always, I will always challenge things, and I, I believe it's important too. But I think that there's, there are better ways of doing that, and and being, like being in that space, I'm already, my existence is is a challenge to to the status quo, um, and to to what it is. But I think it's about having those conversations with people and knowing they're not inherently evil just for not agreeing with you on certain things, um, and that and yeah and really having open conversations and being calm enough to have those open conversations with people um and that's a lot of how i navigate those spaces um having said that i also hope that it won't just be me doing that in the future mm. um right. because yeah but it is i mean absolutely i had that same thing of looking at the west end and be like these people don't look like me um <laughs> but it is you you find people that you work with that that even even if they don't look like you share your views on things and right. share your kind of um sensibilities and i think once you find those people yeah you, you stick to them like glue and you hope that you both get get to the next space um mm. but yeah i mean it's difficult and i'm not going to pretend it's, it's not difficult being like one of the few people in that space but i've been well firstly i've been lucky in who i've worked with that I've, i rarely do have to challenge those things um, but I've also been lucky in, in when I have and when I have needed to, I've been supported or that person has been receptive um, or at least seemed receptive. Um, I always think that the issue that I have is not what they say when I'm in the room, but what they say when I'm not in the room. Um, and so really the solution is hmm. other people like kind of not training, but but like infusing other people to have those difficult conversations um people who would be in those rooms when i wouldn't be um because yeah because they need to be had um and then there are obviously people whose minds that aren't going to change um but yeah it's really about that And, and i also think that the way that the political landscape is laid out in the uk makes it really difficult to have like to have nuanced political views um and so you are i mean you can be you can be there's obviously in between but you are kind of one thing or another um and i think that 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 in itself has its issues because you then start seeing people as a binary um and people who aren't on your side as being uh, on your side of that binary as being inherently evil or they must be really wrong because what about all of these things and sometimes it's mm. they might agree with you on those things but they disagree on other things which are more important to them and it's really just about seeing people as human beings in every situation and whether it be political whether it be in in a work situation um because at the end of the day you can disagree with someone without them being evil or you being evil or someone being wrong you can you can just have a disagreement mm. um i think that's does that kind of i really went around the houses there but <laughs> no it's, it's great I, let, let's go to uh the recommendation yeah uh, this is the sort of like the the thing that you want to give to someone i mean i suppose in a way it's kind of giving it to your younger self or what you want your younger self to watch which is a, a lovely idea yeah. and i still i'll kind of keep that as the sort of my defining thing of this chat mm. which has been great 
So what's your recommendation? Um, well, it's actually, it's a Netflix documentary. I really love documentaries um, called mm. The Movies That Made Us. And I've specifically started watching the holiday movies that made us. Um, and essentially what they do is they take you through um, not about, it's not about the actors. It's about the people behind the the screens um what so the producers and the, the writers other and the writers. people right yeah. uh, insane um and it is such a great way of falling back in love with creating and with everything that goes behind that and the stresses of it and there is absolutely one where they go over budget i'm not going to ruin it but they go over budget and i was i heart palpitations i was so stressed um, <laughs> you're definitely a producer you've got, you've got the budget but um budget, it's so so good and there's so there's one about the nightmare before christmas and there's one about home alone um die hard dirty dancing so there's so many ghostbusters is the one i just watched um oh, amazing. but they're really really good and it's such a lovely way of seeing the people behind the films also because nightmare before christmas is known as tim burton's nightmare before christmas but he didn't even direct it so it's very much worth watching it? that one. Um, oh, Henry, I need to know oh, his poor name. Man. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely going to because. Um, yeah, Google it, Google it. Because he, he just like. I'm also That's amazing. Like saying it wrong, what but, did Tim Burton do on that film? Well, he did originate the idea. But he, he made he um, made the he did the drawings, right? I mean, he did, that's what he, he did the original drawings, um, right. and then there was an entire stop motion animation team um, who all created it. Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck actually direction Nightmare Before Christmas but it's um, yeah and it's such a, it's sort of such an interesting because at the time Tim Burton was working on Batman um, and so it wasn't doing both and, and was still overseeing it obviously and was still a part of the project and had originated the idea but Henry never really gets the credit that he should on that film but it's just so good and I can't recommend that like a series enough and they're quite like they're reasonably short I think they range between like 30 and, and 50 minutes I think is the longest one but um, they're so good and such a good way to fall back in love with creating I think that's amazing Amina Hamid <laughs> thank you so 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 much thank you it's been a pleasure this podcast is produced by me Andy Sellers with original music by Danny Horton thank you for listening